Man, we're in a series. We're ending it tonight. Caught up. Caught up. Uh, it's a sermon series on, here's the definition. Caught up is a series on the reality of life when you're seeing in the clarity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this whole entire series, week one, uh, was love got me caught up. How many, how many of you guys remember that? Lover's Leap. The main idea for week one was God's endless love for us will always realign our focus to what matters most, and that's him. Uh, week two, lost, uh, lap lost. Last week, we talked caught up in my world. And we said to get places you've never been, you have to do things you've never done. And tonight's message, I want you to write it down at the top of your notes, caught up in my head. We're ending tonight, caught up, we're ending it tonight. And this is, tonight's a prophetic message, it's speaking to tomorrow, caught up in my head. You ever been like in a crazy daydream? Like crazy, like people like snapping, pinching, and you're just on this mode. Yo, 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 you good. <laughs> I was in the middle of venting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just got caught up in a daydream. Anybody got caught up in a daydream before? Only like eight weird people in here. We're together. Hello. Like you totally just spaced out. It probably happens at a red light, right? You're just like looking at the light. And then it goes green, but you had no idea because you were still stuck in that conversation from yesterday. And you're just like, she said that. <laughs> it's like, burr, burr, get out of the way. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, it's caught up. I'm sorry. Here's what I believe. I believe some Christians get caught up in their heads, like caught up in my head. I just get caught up. Here's what I'm trying to say. What you're thinking isn't what you're doing. You're, you're thinking something, but what you're doing is an entire place. Y'all with me tonight? What you're thinking, you're in, you're in, you're in, a, you're in another world, right? You're in, you're just, woo -hoo. But in the real world, you're just stuck. You're frozen. Your mind is traveling, but your body's not doing anything. And I want to go to a portion of scripture, and this is why leaders are prepared to just get in deep. I'm going to go to a portion of scripture where Paul, the apostle, he, he really gets to the thick of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know people that beat around the bush in conversations. It's, happen it's happening here in 1 Corinthians. You can pull your Bibles out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start at verse 1. You see it kind of happening in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And, and every time we mention, by the way, hold up. Quick pause. Hold up. Uh, so uh, this is like has nothing to do with the message. But um, I'm excited because I got a homie here. Um, so last week, I'm driving. Uh, I was with my wife, and we were at an, a church, and all day we were training them on just this database we have at our church and just doing the work of the Lord. Hello. Um, and then I had to come back here. It was last Thursday night. It was a dark night. It's raining. Um, and we caught a flat. Aw, caught a flat. Um, but I'm like, I'm a man. I could do this. Um, so I'm like, babe, stay right here. Don't go nowhere, all right? I know it's raining, but I got a hoodie. Hello. The Holy Spirit said we're hoodies that day. I was almost going to wear something else, but I feel like wearing a hoodie. I ended up getting soaking wet. That hoodie ended up a towel. Hello, somebody. So I get out. I try to get the, um, the spare out. So I have the jack. I have another piece. And, you know, the thing's all cranked up. You know, it's like halfway cranked up. It's like all aimed out. You know what I'm saying? Yo, anybody change the tire in here? Come on, somebody. It's like a lot of pressure, but you know what you're doing, right? So, <laughs> so I okay. So I try to get the, the, the spare out. And it's like, oh, mm, oh. I call Chris. I'm like, oh, Chris. You got a spare on you got a spare on your dog. You got a spare. 
He's like, yeah, I got a spare. I'm like, I have all the tools I need. I just need somebody else to help me with this. He's on his way, um, and, and I'm trying, I'm trying. And, and then actually one car comes in, and he, I, I, when he showed up, I didn't know I couldn't get the spare out yet. So he offered help. But because I didn't know what I was going through, I didn't know what was happening because I didn't check up on it. He kind of just showed up, and I said, oh, I'm all good, bro. I got this. I got a spare in the back. But I didn't know it was stuck. So I, I'm not preaching. I'm just telling the story, but it's, the word is still working, right? <laughs> homie leaves. I, I really try to take my spare out, and all of a sudden, a homie pops out of nowhere. And he's like, bro, you need help? I'm like, bro, I need some help. Help me out, dog. <laughs> so homie pulls up. He brings his toolbox. I mean, this young adult. He shows up. Um, his name's Sebastian. Uh, he, he, uh, we, we pop the, uh, the trunk. I mean, we're going at it. Like, he ends up with a little bit of blood on his finger. I'm like, oh, you got cut. He's like, nah, I don't got no marks, dude. I got cut. I was bleeding on. That's how hard we were working on it. Like, we were like, like two grown men trying to get. We had to break the, the knob and, like, break the plastic. And he's got a hammer. I'm like, just beat it at this point. Just, we're just beating the thing. And, and we end up taking the flat out. Um, and then right when we took the spare out, we, we get to the tire. And he's like, hey, man, I got you, man. He's like, listen, I just came from work. Um, you know, I, I, I one time I got stuck on the road. And, and so many cars just passed by me. I had to push my car like miles, and, and I told myself, I'll never, I'll never let that happen to somebody else because it happened to me. And I'm like, oh, boy. Stop it, boy. So we're talking, whatever. Uh, we get, to, we change it. Chris shows up, and he's like, hey, I got the flat. I mean, I got the spare. Um, and his spare wasn't the same as my spare. So it, even though I called for help, it, it still wouldn't have worked because I, it, his was five, and I was four screws, four bolts, and this dude Sebastian, so we're both like, bro, what's your name? What like we attacked him, um, and then we just said hell, hi, and we we invited him here on Tuesday night. We told him to come out, and y'all, he's here tonight. Sebastian, can you stand up? <laughs> That's the homie. Let's go. Can make some more noise for the good Samaritan himself? Let's go. We honor you, dude. I was like, bro, you gotta slide out. You go to church. He's like, nah, you know, I, you know. I'm, I'm like, bro, this, my church is for you, dude. You got to slide out. Shout out to the homie. Back to the message. But here, I guess what the Holy Spirit was trying to say through that story is when, when you ask for help or when you deny help, really get a good diagnosis of how you're doing. And, and, and sometimes you have an idea how help should come, but sometimes help comes when you don't expect it. And you got to be ready for it. That's what the Holy Spirit wanted to say. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul. I said we're going to go deep. This is the Apostle Paul. He's coming off a little harsh. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2, I hope you go home and read these. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, he, he's kind of like brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, how you doing? He's beating around the bush. We get, to, we get to chapter 3, and this man is on correction mode. You know what I'm saying? He's like, let me help you because you're saved. But you're not set free from the world. You're going to heaven. Yeah, but you're barely making it. And I want to show you, church, there's so much more to this world than the Christian you pretend to be in your head. Caught up in my head. Brothers and sisters, we're going we're gonna to do this. Brothers and sisters, you guys can read? If you're not, follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not, to, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. So... He, he calls them brothers and sisters in Christ, right? I, I can't even call you people who live by the Spirit. But as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. 
in this church, there are people who are new in Christ, and he's referring to you as infants. But there's a problem when you stay in the realm of infancy. There's an issue when instead of growing in the right vision, in the right perspective, instead of being caught up in Christ, you get caught up in your head. And you know everything you're supposed to do. You know everything that God's calling you to. But instead of walking it out, it just stays in your head. Instead of actually living out the call of God in your life, you end up in this place where you're trapped and you're stuck, but your mind is wandering. And this is what Paul's trying to hit. He said, listen, I can't even dress you as people who live by the Spirit because you look just like the world. How can you stand out if you don't stand out? Mere infants in Christ. Now listen to me. He's not saying you're going to hell. He's saying you're infants in Christ. You are still in Christ, although you are an infant. So it's not a matter of, okay, you're, you're, you're immature in Christ, so you're not a part of this. No, you're a part of this. But listen, your immaturity does not excuse your growth. These people are stuck in their heads. They got all the right teaching. They got no action to it. You're caught up. You're not seeing the clarity of the Holy Spirit. I can't even call you people who live by the Spirit because you're caught up in your head. The perfect Christian is it's in your mind. You know what the Holy Spirit is giving. The Holy Spirit told you all already how much you're supposed to give. I, I, I believe that prophetically. I speak that. He already told you how much you got to give tonight. Here's my thing. Will you walk it out? Or will you just be caught up in the Christian in your head? And, 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 and this is what he says. He goes, I'm going to skip over to verse 14, and then we're going to start again. But I want to give the answer to this, right? So I can't address you as people who live by the Spirit. Go back, uh, verse 1. I can't address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. When you fast forward to verse 14, you guys with me? It says this. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Stop right there. Pause. Just break it. Somebody say, Built. Built in your life from the day you're born to the day you pass, you are building something. And he is saying, if what you built survives, the builder, that's me, someone say me, will receive a reward. We're not talking about making it to heaven or going to hell. We're talking about infants in Christ that believe in Jesus, that they're, they're just so immature. They, they still look like the world. They still sound like the world. If we throw a trial at them, they'll go back to who they used to be, although in their heads they, they're where they want to be. You got to take your actions and move it right to your beliefs, right next to each other. You got to take your actions and push and push and push to exactly what you know you're supposed to do. So he says in verse 14, if what has been built survives, so my life is building something. How would my life not survive? Let's go there. If what he has built survives, the builder receives a reward. 15. This is Paul speaking about Judgment Day. Book of Revelation. He's speaking prophetically. He's saying when you die, in verse 15, if it is burned up, burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. So on Judgment Day, see a huge flame and see your life, everything you've built from baby to passing. See it as a visual thing you're building. Every day you're building something. You're either building yourself to be ratchet or building yourself to be holy. Hello. Either building stingy or building generous. You build your life day by day. Who are you becoming? When we die, we will walk through the fire 
not us, what we've built, what our life came to show for. Like, this isn't for those who aren't saved. If you're not saved, it's a different eternity. But those who are saved in Christ, right, this is what the Bible says. It says, if what you built survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. So when you die, it's not, listen, Christian, there's more to life than just making it to heaven. If what, how you lived, how you served, how you were generous, how you gave up everything, how much you sacrificed is building something, and it will one day go through the fire. That's judgment day. If he's speaking prophetically, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. Everything you built up because it was with the wrong heart, because it was with half of what you had, because it wasn't being obedient, it got burned up. And this is it. But yet, let me help you. Let me encourage you. You're still saved, though. So it, it'll suffer loss because you lost everything. You, you're going to make it heaven. You're like, man, all that work, all those church services, all those shifts I called out, all that. And I didn't really commit. I didn't really give. I didn't really sacrifice. I was just caught up in my head. And I never really did anything. And my life, when it goes through the fire, I will lose everything. But I'm still saved, though. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. Here's my next idea. Some of you might be walking into heaven smelling like smoke. He says, what you built, if it survives, it's one barely making it through the fire. Let's go back to verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Verse 2, this is for you who feel like whatever. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Oh, indeed. He's talking about his teaching. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? We're not humans. We're aliens. We're sent. We're not humans. I'm an alien. I'm, I'm from a different planet, and it's the right hand of the Father. I'm going back home one day. This is my temporary body. My spirit lives on forever. I'm meeting my father and my forefathers in heaven. I'm not human. And when I understand I'm sent, that's when I be really become human. Verse 4. For when one says, so he, this is when the literature changes. If you look, if you study uh, uh, theologians, they separate uh, verse 3 and 4. Because verse 3 is like asking a question, are you not acting like mere humans? And then verse 4, this is when he starts to bring correction. For when, for when one of you says, that he's talking to the church of Corinth, right? He's saying, church, for one of you says, I follow Paul. And another say, I follow Apollos. Apollos is a, a church leader, and Paul is the guy writing. And, and, and right here in the church, they begin to quarrel with one another. Oh, I'm with Paul. I love his teaching. Oh, I'm with Paulos. I love his gifts. Oh, I'd rather hear him preach. Oh, he's not here. I'm not coming. Oh, who's singing this song? How is it? Is it, is it good if it's not? And this is what Paul, he's, he's correcting them. Some of you guys are like, oh, I follow Paul. Oh, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? 
He's like, you're talking, but you're sounding like the world. Oh, this is my favorite artist. Oh, this is my favorite artist. Oh, this is this. And you're bringing that into the world. This is my favorite this. This is my favorite that. The spirit only falls when this person's here. This only happens and it gives me goosebumps. And you're actually chasing a gift. And you're not even chasing the anointing. It says in verse 5, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? He's saying about himself. That's what he's saying. What is John? You follow John? What is John? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. And then he breaks it down in verse 6. I planted the seed, but Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. 7. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Verse 8. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. He's talking about revelation again. You see that? He's like, we're talking about who's better. It's the same team. And at the end of the day, we'll be judged individually on how we served and how we did it. And we will be rewarded on what we've done when we walk through the fire. And God doesn't say you barely made it through the flames, but he actually gives you responsibility in the next world. Verse 9. This is it, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10, by grace, a lot of verses, stay with me. You guys feeling it? By, t by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Woo! For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, Silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring light to it. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. The fire will test the quality of each person's work. Some of you are saved, but you're going to heaven with a bunch of hay and straw, and the fire will show you how you lived on this earth. It's not enough to be saved. I have to be set free. It's not enough to be saved. My mind is here. My actions are there. I can't stay caught up. I need to take my actions and move them over to my beliefs. Because if I'm not spiritually, heaven's looking down at me and I'm just in a daydream. Stuck in my head. Following God in my head but not following him with my hands. And you're either going through the fire with gold. Gold will last in fire. Silver will last in fire. Costly stones. And then it talks about wood. I, wood could, like, really barely make it. Hay, probably straw, it's gone. It's not about how much you give. It's the heart. It's not about how much you serve. It's your heart of servanthood. It's not about how hard you worship and how much sweat you have yet at the end of the night. It's did you really worship with all your heart? Because what does he ask from you? We, we read that last week. He, he wants your heart and your soul. Caught up in your own head. Basically, what you're thinking isn't what you're doing. Uh, I don't know if you, you ever grew up playing hide and seek. Anybody love playing hide and seek? Did anybody ever play the game in the scary movie that it's like the double clap? That's so scary, right? Why would you play that? After that movie, why would anyone play that game? You're crazy. <laughs> it's like you blindfold them, and it's like double clap. 
and then it's like, if you saw the movie, the co- yeah, that's my jam. I love those movies. Pastor watches that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really used to love hide and seek. I never was the kid, though, because this is like foolish. I was never the kid that tried the whole paper cup string thing. You ever played that game? Like, you got you put the string like through the house, and there's one cup, and then you take the string. I was never that kid. I'm like, that obviously doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you there? You there? Mayday! 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 <laughs> it's like, I hear nothing, bro. Stop pulling this cup, man. I'm trying to talk. I never played that. Um, and, and here's what's funny: as we grew up, I remember when we first, me and my brother, we first got walkie-talkies. Do you remember the moment you and your your cousins or your fam first got a walkie-talkie? That was like the best manhunt ever, right? Like, it's like, yo, we outside, but it's only like 10 feet, though, so we got to be like behind a tree, like just hidden. Just, you there? I think, bro, I hear you. <laughs> it's like, just whisper, just whisper. <laughs> Here's the thing about walkie-talkies is if, if you don't press the button, you can say whatever you want. It'll never reach the other side. You could, you could try so hard to speak and speak, mayday, mayday, mayday. I can't hear you. It's, it's, it's what's happening somewhere isn't happening in another place. What, what's going on on one end, hello, hello, is not receiving the other side. When I send a message, listen, you have to receive it. You guys with me tonight? When you got all this thinking, your motions, your schedule, your, your, your actions, your attitude has to receive what you're believing. It can't just be your Tuesday night self just stuck in a glass box trying to send voice memos to the actual you. It can't be that because you'll never get anything done. It's like you're trying to send a message, but you're not receiving it. And we see this in verse 2. He said, listen, I gave you milk, not even solid food. I gave you milk for you were not ready for it. You weren't even prepared for it. Like, I, I had steaks for you, but because you're, you're so worldly, you're so caught up in your head, I can't even give you food. I got to give you milk. So what does that mean? To get caught up in my head means I'm not receiving something. I'm not really walking this thing out. Here's my next idea. Don't compartmentalize your life with what you believe and do. Take what you believe and place on top of what you do. Don't compartmentalize your life with what you believe and do. Take what you believe and place on top what you do. Great philosopher T.I. once said, put your money where your mouth is, player. Shout out T.I. Put your money where your mouth is, player. All that so will I. It's Wednesday. What are you going to do? You're going to slip up again? That's not a slip up. You're slipping yourself up. Or are you going to actually... Walk this thing out. Here's my next idea. Some, some, some of us tonight, your belief is on a vacation, but the rest of your life is in another corner. What you believe and who you know God's calling you to be, oh, that's out in, in the holy land. It's on a vacation. But the rest of your life is in another corner, dying inside. Why do you and me tend to do that? Why do you and me tend to do that? We, we tend to... Sometimes just step away from what we believe a little bit. And live a life that doesn't honor God, that if it goes through the fire, it's not making it through. And live a life that's just barely squeezing it. 
Why do we tend to do that? Here's why. Because we think when we get to heaven, God's going to ask this question. What did you believe? Go ahead and put the, put the question. We think when we get to heaven, this is why we do that sometimes. Because we think we're going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, okay, so what did you believe? What would you think? What you think? What's up? That's not the question. It's not the only question. Did you believe my son? Did you receive him? Okay, now what did you do with him? That's the, that's, that's the next question. What, what did you do? Here's the next idea. Listen, your entire life will be evaluated, not just your belief. The reason why sometimes we step away from what we believe and take our actions and go and act worldly and go into a way that the Spirit is convicting us to is because we think that God's just only concern about our cognitive Christian version of ourselves. But he actually cares about what you do. And this is why God's so awesome. He says, this is how much I care about what you do. In verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and you all will be rewarded according to your own labor. I've got a reward for you, y'all. Worship team, come up. I got a reward for you. Like this whole sanctification, holy life you're trying it's not in vain. I got a reward for you. Like, it's, like, I know you're saved. You're cool. You said yes to Jesus. But listen, I got so much more in this world, and you can't even imagine the next one. Because I don't want you just to be my children. I want you to walk and talk into like my children and act like my children and treat others like you're mine and not merely humans. I need you to get this, that. Your entire life will be evaluated, not just your belief. And God's like, yo, and I got rewards for you. Like when we get to heaven, isn't that the real test? Isn't that the real evaluation? Away from sin and death, away from temptation. There's no tearing in heaven. There's no crying. There's no pain. There's no sorrow in heaven. We're in the very presence and physical manifestation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the real test? Like when we're there. Like, yo, so, so how, so, so we're here, because we're here forever. You don't live once, you live twice. We're here forever, yo. So we in heaven now. I, you look a lot better on Tuesday than you did here. Because you painted a life like your obedience was gold when it was actually hay and straw. And you found a way, I don't know how you did it, you found a way to represent Jesus without representing Jesus. You made it though. Congratulations, you made it though. The Bible says God's going to give us crowns. There's a crown for resisting temptation, do you know that? There's a crown of salvation, do you know that? There's all these crowns he's got. He's waiting to reward you. Like, all that faithfulness you got, the enemy's trying to tell you, this is going to be the best year if you walk away from church. Walk away from leadership. Stop serving. Why, 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 do, you gotta, why do you gotta actually try to understand the Bible to be a better person? Why? Why not just make it? When God's like, don't let him rob you of the reward you got storing up in heaven. Don't, don't settle. Don't settle. I was in Thailand on my honeymoon, and we had an amazing opportunity to go to an elephant sanctuary. So it's not an elephant zoo. It's an elephant sanctuary. Zoos, you probably could ride them. This is a sanctuary. They breed them. They take care of them. It's a big sign. No riding of the elephants. They're really, like, for them. 
And I remember I was talking with the instructor. We just fed them. And they're like, we just got to keep them walking around all day because they're fat and they're slobby. And they, all they do is get fed by tourists. They're spoiled. They're spoiled brats. I'm like, all right, bro, relax. He's like, he's, like, he's happy. He's like, but it's better here than that shows, right? Like stepping on stuff and being whipped and stuff and being in cages. So we take care of them. And he's like, but, but here's what's crazy. One of them got injured. One, one of the one of the, ho- one of the horses, one of the elephants, I think about the paranda, one of the elephants, they actually got injured. They, 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 they were eating so much watermelon, they had too much water in their system. So he actually had so much water, he couldn't even walk. Like, he was just laying there for so long. And then they're like, but he had a boyfriend. I mean, she had a boyfriend. And, and, and they were trying to mate while she was sick. So it was a female that she was hurting on the floor. And this is what they said, literally. They said, but here's the thing. Like, because they're in pain, they're just embarrassed. They, they go off in their own way, and they, they make it to, like, an unknown piece of, like, land, and they just chill there. And, like, no one look at me. And, and then they said, oh, but there's this one elephant that will never leave her sight. He'll never walk away. It's like every time it's, food, it's feeding time, every time it's bathing time, every time we do something, he'd always go after the elephant that's kind of going on its own because she's embarrassed. See, that's what she does. And I remember thinking, man, if God is the creator of stars, of cells, of oceans, of dandelions, of sunflowers, of colors, of space and time, if he's the, if he's the creator of mountains, he's the creator of animals, and, and if he designed animals to instinctively think in a way that if someone has left the pack, if someone has walked away, if someone found their way to just be on the boundary of not being connected, that my own creation will be obedient enough to look like and act and respond like his father. And I remember seeing the elephant literally follow the dead elephant almost, almost dead. He'd just follow him and follow him and go after him. And I thought, man, if that's elephants, if this is creation and we have minds and we have a heart and we have the ability to speak and study and understand and we're the most intelligent beings in the whole universe how can we divide when creation is uniting all around us can i give you a reminder what type of church we are listen we do not divide go ahead put the next idea we don't divide we build we build we will not deny nobody we will build you we won't divide we don't gossip here that's the wrong church we don't tear each other down here's the next idea we don't fight we train i'm not here to fight you i'm here to train you i'm not here to cut you out i'm here to sharpen you up because as iron sharpens iron so shall one man sharpen another we don't push away we pull in we pull you in oh you walked away we're still praying for you and believing in you that the best is ahead of you We're not just barely making it to heaven. We're going to heaven full of things that God has done for us. And lastly, we don't tear down. We build up. We build up. Just being obedient to what God told us to do. Don't get caught up in your head. Don't get caught up in your head. 